0: Every week, we interview senior revenue professionals and share their stories and insights on how they leverage revenue intelligence to drive success and win their market.
1: You'll hear how modern go-to-market teams win as a team, close revenue with critical deal insight, and execute their strategic initiatives, plus all the challenges that come along with it. So Devin, you probably heard like there's some stat around, um, you know, social media and general user generated content sites where like 90% of the visitors are just viewing the content and like reading the information and 10% or less are the ones that are actually like, contributing and like adding reviews. Like say for on Yelp, for example, most people right. are not writing reviews. They're just going and checking it out. Um. I'm curious, are, are you a reader or a writer?
0: <laughs> that is so funny. I am definitely a reader. I have learned that the only time I ever feel compelled to write a review is when I'm really pissed off about something, which is very common. It's, it's like why review sites and getting good reviews is tough for businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or if I had really good service and they specifically were like, hey, do you mind going to Yelp and leaving a review for my business as the owner or even as a like a server um, I've had people ask that before there's one story we were at a restaurant um, Scal was fantastic one of the, you know just the servers you remember you have a great time you're like excited for them to come back to your table because mm-hmm. they're like conversationalists and um, she was like, hey I, I appreciate uh, you know you guys coming in I have a competition uh, at our at our restaurant right now and whoever drives the most Yelp reviews, wins some prize. I can't remember what it was. She's like, all you have to do is remember like just put my name in there somewhere and that's how we're tracking them. Oh. Um, and so we did it right then and there. Like, you know, we'd had a couple of drinks. We're happy to help. Uh and we had knocked out a review. I, I never got to follow up if she won, but I like to think that she did.
1: That is very brilliant. I like that a lot. And one thing that was concerning me was hey, you only go on Yelp to write bad reviews, which I think is very common, right? When, it, when you look at at least these consumer type of reviews. And that won't fare so well for us who are selling in the B2B space if our customers are only writing about us when it's negative yes. um, then the or game. just leaving it up to them, you know, leaving it up to them to do it. Like there has to be some intentionality, like you talked about, like asking for it. When's the right time to ask for it? How should you ask for it?
0: I was going to say, uh, if if B2B users only went on these sites for negative reviews, the name of the game would be who has the least bad reviews instead of who has good (laughs) reviews. Yeah,
1: (laughs) exactly. Well, I think that's why we were really excited to bring Amber Armstrong, who's the VP and CMO of AI applications and blockchain at IBM. Um, she is very, very knowledgeable around customer references in general. So reviews are part of it, but it's also like, hey, when should I ask one of my former customers to talk to one of my prospects? And should I ask them to talk to the prospect or should I invite them to write a review or come speak on stage? Uh, there's so much opportunity and Uh, you know, not only to help move your deal forward, but also put your company on a stage, help that professional brand development of your prospect of your client. So this episode is really, really interesting in how we go into go deep into all sides of customer references.
0: Absolutely. I have had good customer references. I've been a good customer Mm -hmm. reference, and I still learned a lot from Amber. And, uh, you know, shameless ask for those listening, If you don't mind going over to wherever it is you listen to podcasts and giving us five stars, that'd really make our day. Let's go (laughs) hang out with Amber. Amber, thank you so much for joining us on Reveal. We are very excited to have you.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I can't wait for our discussion.
0: I got excited just looking at your title because we usually have revenue leaders and by revenue means sales leaders. Marketers are revenue generators too. But you're VP and CMO of AI Applications and Blockchain at IBM. I have been told what blockchain is multiple times. I am never able to repeat it back to folks, so no pressure to, to school us on what blockchain means today. That's not what this is about. But can you give us a quick overview of what you do at IBM and maybe what you're focused on right now?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I lead marketing for the division of IBM that infuses AI into the applications. So if you think of with AI, you can buy Watson APIs as an example and add those into your existing business processes. Or you can buy our solutions, like Maximo as an example of one of those, or we have some supply chain solutions, where actually the AI is already embedded. And so you just go out and deploy it, and you are able to deploy AI at the same time as you're deploying the application. So that's that's that part of the business. And then blockchain, I'll give you my simplest when I was learning blockchain, because I've worked on blockchain for about five or six months now. The simplest way I can describe it is it's a trusted ledger. So it is 100% true, and it's immutable. You can't change it. it. It's permanent. And once you have something that is permanent, then you can trust it and know that The suppliers that have provided these things along the way have met certain expectations, and therefore, you know, it's something that's, it's real. And there's a lot of opportunities for blockchain to drive improved efficiencies across businesses as well.
0: You are so kind for starting that with the simplest way I can explain this to you. Cameron, <laughs> and for not shaming me uh, as I just display my, you know, call it ignorance or inability to learn. But the good news is I have confirmed now that a ledger is one word I do hear every time. So I must be on the right page. And now I can at least yes. spit that back. I'll say, my friend Amber said it's a ledger. I would explain it to you, but you wouldn't understand. <laughs>
1: That's a great plan. (laughs) You could also say goodbye opinions, hello reality. I feel like that fits well with blockchain too, based on Amber's description. I like that. I like that. (laughs) So uh, Amber, I read that the words passionate, focused, and kind have become a mantra for you. Could you share a little bit more about why those specific words are so meaningful for you?
2: Yeah. I'll tell you a little story about how I developed them. So... Back probably five years ago, I had a really tough day at work where I had to explain to people that their roles were essentially going away. And I wrote down three words and I just kept them next to me and I stared at them all day long and literally had 25 back-to-back calls on this. And so I stared at them and it, it was kind, patient, and calm were the three words that I had And it was so helpful to me in that day that I said, you know, I should actually do this more often. What are the words I really want to keep in my mind? You know, I don't have them on a piece of paper next to me, but I do run them through my mind constantly. And whenever I'm feeling out of sorts, I will stop. It's like, okay, am I focused? Am I passionate about this thing that I'm working on? And do I feel like I'm in a space where I can be really kind to the people that are around me and that sort of thing? And if those things aren't true, then it's definitely time to take a break. But the the reason I chose those words is because to be focused, that's how you actually get to outcomes. If you're trying to do everything you're never going to do it very well. And then you just feel like a failure. Whereas if you say, okay, I'm going to focus on these individual things and really do my best at those things, you start to have some successes and that builds up more successes. And maybe you get to some of those other things because you're able to already have some successes in the things you've been focused on. On the passionate piece, you know, AI is something I'm actually very, very passionate about. And with you know, working every day on something that's exciting to you, that is adding value to the world. We spend a lot of hours at work and, you know, with COVID, we're literally not leaving our homes. And <laughs> So it's really important that you have a lot of passion around that. And then kind is just how I choose to show up in the world, right? It doesn't mean as a leader, I can't be direct and I can't have tough conversations, but I can do so from a place of kindness and um, emotional maturity. And I just try to make sure that I bring that forward.
1: And I suspect part of kindness is also being kind to your own self and investing in yourself so that you can be your best self at work so that you can be the best leader. Are there any particular things that you do in regards to being kind to your own self so that you show up 110%?
2: Yeah, there's, there's a few things. Um, One is I am really clear what I'm not good at and I don't try to do that. And I'll give you an example. Um, We we live in a high rise in Austin and we have someone that helps us take care of our home. We just have her pop in every day for, you know, 15 minutes just to do a little tidy up. Right. So I'm very kind to myself. I don't do dishes. I don't make my own bed. Um, and, And it's easy because we live in a high rise. She's here anyway. And it's, it's something that's very efficient for her and her time, but I don't aspire to be a great housekeeper. I just aspire to be able to spend my time doing things that I feel really quality spending time with my family, with my husband. Um, the other thing is, and I started this with real seriousness during COVID is running every day. And it's a minimum of a mile every day and I track it through, I don't know if you use the streaks app, but it's, it's just wonderful. Um, and, and every day it makes you, you sweat, you, I, I cannot stay stuck in my head on a run. Mm -hmm. And some days it may be longer than two miles, right? But it's never shorter than two miles. And that just really helps me stay focused. And then I make sure I get steps, which is also really hard during COVID. And I make sure that I get at least 5,000 steps a day. Usually it's, it's a lot more than that. Um, I have a meditation practice so all those things are you know that things that make me feel good and I feel like help me show up as a better person.
0: I'm sensing a high level of self-awareness and balance in the world of Amber.
2: Yeah I try. I try really hard. You also see I'm like super super nerd like everything gets tracked and so I was saying the Streaks app right you know I'm very motivated by there being a little red symbol on my phone that's not done. And right? so I know like, oh you gotta, you might not want to go for that run right now, but you gotta go.
0: I, I imagine I can't see to the side. I imagine you have this like huge like dashboard up on the wall. It's got like your meditation data mixed with your running data and like maybe some mood data. I'm similar. Pretty much.
1: <laughs> got to Pretty tie in much some I, bring in some IBM AI into that mix too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Amber, we brought you on to reveal other than just because you're fantastic, to explore the topic of customer references. Uh, I'm really interested in this because it's something that is very heavily used in sales and marketing, but not really something I think that gets coached or really even talked about that much. Um, So I guess first, before we dive into that, how would you define a good customer reference, and how is it different than a customer review or a case study?
2: Yeah, yeah. So a good customer reference is someone that is willing to take a call to say, yes, I use this, and to be the solution, and to be really genuine about the things, the reasons why they chose it, and some of the challenges they faced along the way, right? Because people don't believe that everything is always 100% perfect, right? And so what you need is, as a seller, as a reference that can share, like, yeah, we faced some tough times, but we got through those, right? And we were able to get to the other side of those things. It's also really important the way I differentiate it from a review is, you know, reviews on third party sites are absolutely amazing. And especially in this, this world we live in now where digital is so much more important. They're an incredible part of the funnel uh, from a marketing perspective and uh, a, a must have, and they help you with digital discovery. Right. So if you're thinking, if you're a seller and you're thinking about, okay, I want to, I've got this client who I think should talk to other clients, then should I ask them to be a reference? Should I ask them to write a review? Should I ask them to participate in a case study? Or should I ask them for a press release? I would kind of divide it into those, those buckets. And I think it depends a little bit about on the industry you're in and which one of those is a better, better kind of approach but absolutely, reviews are really uh, on the third party sites are really low hanging fruit. They uh, are easy for the customer to do, and the person is speaking from their own individual perspective. They're not speaking on behalf of the company. So, that's a really important thing in a review site, right? When I write a review on Yelp, as an example, I'm not writing as an IBM employee, I'm writing as someone who attended the, the restaurant. On the case study side, the things I think about that make really good case studies are usually specific to an industry. They are usually, they, they tell a great story of a beginning, a middle, and an end. And they can get to those outcomes. And then on press, now press we actually find is considerably more challenging because oftentimes, because of company requirements internally, Oftentimes, the person that could be the, the reference for you and actually take the call or write a review on a website or even give you the input on a case study sometimes doesn't have permission to do the press piece of it because it gets tied up into the broader company communications. So what I always suggest is don't, don't start there. Like, start with the review and the case study, and then after you get those kind of Working unless there's something you incredibly monumental that you want to announce that they also want to announce, um, then hold that for a later date.
1: That's a super helpful breakdown um, yeah, for, for marketers sure. who are listening, or for even reps who are trying to understand why did we choose to take this customer and utilize them in one of these, but not right. the other channel. As a rep, you know, you have a lot of different tools to utilize to help get your customer across the line, um, customer re- references being one of those. There can be videos, there could be the case studies, there's other things. How should a rep evaluate when they should use a reference versus something else?
2: I think, you know, I think references can be great at each part of the sales cycle. So if you think about, you know, you're in early stages References and case studies specifically can be a great way to open up a door, right? If you have someone that looks like them, that's in their industry, that can be a great way to start a conversation on LinkedIn uh, through through a variety of different channels. Um, It's great use for internal sellers to be able to, you know, what we call digital sellers, to be able to do an initial outreach, have a conversation, and then follow up with references from that perspective. They can also be really, really important at the actual reference, like someone calls them perspective at the end of the funnel when you're really trying to close the opportunity, convince them to move now, give them the confidence that you have the long-term commitment to them as you do for your other customers.
0: Amber, what are like, maybe like the psychological levers that get pulled at that stage, right? Because, been in sales before, you have all the things we've mentioned, like check us out on G2, here's this video, like you've got all these like kind of pre-packaged, you know what I mean, pre-packaged or digital. Why are, or why is speaking to an actual client at that stage so impactful? Like, why does that work?
2: Well, I think it's, you feel psychologically, you feel bonded to people that are like you good or bad i think that that's true right and so if sure. this person is like me then and they made this decision then it gives me some validation that that's probably a good decision and especially if this person is honest with me about the challenges that they faced in this process then i feel extra like okay we're not hiding things from each other mm. here and so that's that's a real value now, there's something also psychological to the side of why people want to be references. And it goes to each of those levels that we talked about, right? When someone is on G2, as an example, they may be doing it because they want to be helpful to people in their community. And it's an easy enough way to do it. And the various sites have uh, differing kind of levels of participation. So that may be why they do that. A reference, maybe because they want to connect with people in their industry. And they're also, when that person calls them, they're also getting something out of that conversation. And then on the case study, or another one we didn't talk about earlier, is speaking at uh, events, right. virtual all now. But in both case study and the events, that person's individual career is propelled because they are then standing up as the expert on how they solve this problem. It happens to be solved with your solution, but how they solve this problem. And then they can, you know, you can go to my LinkedIn and on my LinkedIn, you'll see I'm standing on a stage with Watson IoT background behind me. It's a prestige thing to be mm-hmm. like, yes, I I owned this audience, I entertained them and served them, and I was chosen for that. And so you can think about it when you're talking to customers about whether or not they should participate, you can really think about it, what's in it for them from those different levers. All
0: right, everyone, you know what time it is. In every episode, we have a data breakout, a quick sidebar to look at the data. Now, most of us have experienced the disappointment of buying a product that doesn't quite live up to the promise in the ad or the sales pitch. As a result, we've become more skeptical about marketing and sales messaging. But it turns out that we don't have the same bias against customer created content. According to a demand gen report survey, 97% of B2B buyers say that user-generated content, such as peer reviews, is more credible than other types of content. That means that we can't just rely solely on our marketing collateral and pitch deck to demonstrate credibility. To earn a prospect's trust, high-impact customer references should be a key part of your sales strategy. Stay tuned to the micro action at the end of the episode for tips to help you build your go-to list of high quality customer references. Now, now that you've given me a bunch of levers to look at or a bunch of options, I'm thinking, okay, how do I pick how do I pick the right lever to present to my buyer or maybe prospective buyer if you're like negotiating like this type of dynamic or you know, this interaction for when they become a client? How do I know which one of those to choose?
2: Well, there's there's a variety of things to consider, and some of it is based on the individual you're talking to. If the individual you're talking to is, you know, very timid, um, not very bold in their manner of speaking, you're not going to offer that person to get on stage. They're, they're probably going to hate it, and it's not going to be a good outcome for what you're trying to drive right. So you do want to match up kind of personality and interest of that person to what you offer them. And then there's also this, you know, it's increasing levels of commitment just as you and having a regular sales cycle, right? People get more and more committed as you go. When you're know, asking someone to do a review on G2 is relatively easy, relatively simple, uh, a kind of a lightweight thing. But when you get to the point you're talking about case studies, that's hours of conversation about those and doing an event, those are going to take more time. And so you want to be able to balance how committed are you to this client and how committed are they to your company and kind of place the ask along those lines. The other thing I would say that's really important to look at when you're thinking about references is where has your company driven the most value, right? What was the hardest problem you solved and which customer could be most proud of what they've accomplished by working with your customer that makes it with your company. Sorry. That makes it just so much easier to make the ask.
1: Do you have any examples of like creative or innovative ways that reps have utilized references Um, at IBM or any of your past experiences?
2: Well, one of the ways we use references, and this was in a a face-to-face world, uh, but we obviously put them up when we have big events. We put them on stage, as I was talking about, and we actually have reps who will create an agenda for their client and just take them from place to place to place, from each presentation and then actually get them to spend a few minutes with the client at the end of the presentation. And so it's a, it's a really nice way mm-hmm. to say, oh, I just saw you on stage. That was really wonderful. You know, I was wondering if maybe I could connect the two of you for a follow-on conversation about X topic. Um, I think we could do, we haven't figured out a way to do that fully in the virtual world because it, how you actually get someone from place A to place B is a little more challenging. But as we have better and better capabilities for these online meetings, I think that's something that we'll see come back.
0: I mean, yeah, talk about feeling special, right? Someone uh, Amber was just on stage. Uh, you know, come, come with me. I can go introduce you to her. Get, get a few minutes. Exactly. Her time. Uh, I say it with a smile, but in all honesty, like who wouldn't want that, right? Like you said, there is a level of prestige for being on that stage and sharing all your knowledge and. Getting some one on one time, even if brief is a special experience, right? And I always view I, I come like kind of like I don't know, like secondary touch points. Like customer reference to me is not usually a part of a sales cycle. Like there's not usually like a stage. No one's like, hey, Devin, before you get to proposal, make sure you know your prospect talks to him. But I think all of the examples you just mentioned, and especially the last one, those are differentiators between you if if it's a competitive deal or just you compared to all the other vendors or suppliers that they work with.
2: Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, Giving people the opportunity to sign up in advance and say, yes, you know, assuming this all goes well, I will be a reference for your company gives them a little bit of uh, bargaining power as well. If you do it kind of pre-contract.
0: Amber, I'm curious if you have any advice for how sales people or sales teams can use customer references in all the different ways we kind of just talked about as part of a negotiation tactic when they're going for the close.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think it can be, it depends a little bit on the person who who you're negotiating with, right? If they view it as purely a gift to the company, then it actually could, could put some pricing pressure or that sort of thing on you. Uh, but there's lots of ways to answer that, right? It's in you know, additional service hours or, or other things that you could use as a carrot to drive that. If it's someone, though, that is interested in that, then I think they can it can help get them more excited, right? Because they're going to get recognition for the things that you're doing together. And, um, and depending on how you're, you, know, you were telling me the Gong brand is really popular, people, if they feel really proud that they want to be associated with that brand, it could be something to help
0: move the contract forward. I said it very humbly for those listening, um, but I, I have to imagine too, like if I was going to close IBM, right? Like you guys, you have huge, huge logo. I have to imagine that's part of it. Um, do people ask you as, you know, as a buyer and as an executive, does that come up in conversations? I'd love to hear how you approach that ask.
2: It does. Uh, we're I, in IBM being such a large company has really strict rules around sure. what we can do, what we can't do. know, even to have our conversation today, communications had to approve it, right? So you also kind of have to know a little bit about the the level of company that you're dealing with. Um, I could take an event speaking flat relatively easily, as long as I'm not going to speak at a competitor kind of an event, though. So when I get approached with those things, it really depends on the level of tactic. If it is, you know, to do a press release I don't get to make that decision. If it is to speak at an event, I can make that decision. If it's to do a podcast, I can make that decision to have to give someone a heads up that this is something I'm going to be doing.
1: So Amber, you know, I'm sure there are reps who are more uh, junior in their careers, or they haven't had the opportunity to really utilize references um, to the best of their potential ability. Could you give some examples of like, what not to do or what are some of the common mistakes that folks make when utilizing references?
2: Well, I think when, when utilizing references, if they don't understand the company that they are going to, that they're trying to find a reference for, they could send them the wrong reference Mm. and it can really show that, Oh, you don't actually understand my business. You think this person is solving a similar problem. And that that could be really detrimental, right? So you really have to make sure you understand the person you're trying to sell to, your prospect, Mm -hmm. and that you've got a reference that's really relevant to them. I think that could be an area that goes wrong. Another area where it could go wrong, but think about a new rep, in asking for a reference at the wrong time, right? When... You've got to really know the person and be able to fill out the situation to decide when the right time to ask that question is. Also uh, asking for the reference when the customer isn't abundantly overjoyed with where you are in the process can be, you know, just a real, real test. It can actually move you backwards in, in the cycle, right? So it's about having that sensitivity to, is this a person that would be interested in this do i really understand their problems and then finally is now a good time
0: it seems like the worst response that the reference you know like the re- the person who's hearing the reference client right the the, the prospect the, the worst thing they could they, they could say after is it doesn't seem they don't really seem like me right that doesn't really sound you know what i mean the way the way they approach the problem maybe the problem itself Do you you think that kind of like is a detractor and like maybe actually the solution isn't for me as a result? You know what I mean? Because there's such a disconnect there.
2: I think it could be. I think this is really important to make sure that, you know, you really do understand the problem that that person's trying to, to face. And maybe it's worthwhile to repeat back, you know, whatever this, this reference did to say, you know, I think you're trying to solve this problem. You know, would it be helpful if I connected you with, or I sent you a case study where someone else solved this
1: problem? Then that gives you an opportunity, an opportunity for them to clarify what their problem is. I've been in that position of being a buyer, and one of uh, one a good experience that I can recall where a rep approached me with a few different options so I could also help pick the right reference for me. So they said, okay, you know, I have a head of marketing in this vertical, or I have, you know, somebody that runs marketing in this particular size of company. So I could pick, okay, for me, it doesn't really matter what size they're in, but that vertical lens is really, really important or vice versa. So I thought that was a unique approach that that particular rep took.
2: I love that. That's really, really smart. It's all about getting to know that person and what challenges they're, they're trying to fix and being able to give them choice in that. When mm-hmm. someone has choice, they then feel ownership for that decision. And so it's super, super clever.
0: Who doesn't like to choose your own journey? It's always fun. <laughs> um, I don't know if we talked about it, but I think it's worth mentioning is as a seller, I think it's also a great idea to prep your reference client. Say, hey, here's who you're going to talk to. Here's where they're at. Here's why I connected you to make sure that they're properly prepared. Hand in the air. I've made that mistake before where they agreed. I sent the calendar invite and I was like, wipe my hands. Awesome. This deal's done. Jim's going to sell for me. and get this thing accomplished. Um, called in Go So Great uh, prospect was not enthused. Jim called me and goes, Hey, next time, do you mind, uh, giving me some prep? You know, I kind of went into there, you know, didn't really know what to expect and so on. And, um, I remember that story. Jim is not his real name, but I remember that story really well because I was like, Oh, this is what not to do. Uh,
1: yeah, so. no, that's a great, great example. So G2 and other online review sites are super popular now, Um, you know, even for us, we invest a lot of time in making sure that we are sending the right set of customers to review there. And social media is also another channel where folks are highlighting their professional expertise by putting those recommendations, their favorite software, what they're utilizing as as a differentiator for, for them as a professional. And due to that, do you think that the impact of that, um, you know, that that reference, that, that validation is diminished due to this increase in number of reviews on, on both of these type of channels?
2: Oh, I don't think so at all. I think that, and, and I see those channels quite differently, actually, and how to make those successful. Um, but if you think of G2, volume is the play, right? And you think of... As a seller, you're trying to really do great things for your company, right? More broadly, right? It's not just about your individual um, opportunity, but how can you help your broader company uh, when you have a volume of reviews on G2, it comes up organically in search much more often. So you're going to be able to find more and more of those opportunities There is a believability that increases with the number of reviews on a site. And then you have a company like Trust Radius. Uh, Trust Radius has fewer reviews, but very long, very detailed. And so they've made the choice that they want to be really high quality on the reviews. And so there's different, you know, different sites have different kind of purposes. And I think you kind of choose which one you want to point to. Based on your company strategy and based on um, whether or not you think your solution would benefit from a longer form or a shorter form.
0: My gut tells me maybe like B2C companies or maybe not B2C, but like more transactional sales might be interested in the volume game of, you know, 2000 reviews, even if they're one sentence versus maybe more complex solutions in the enterprise space might benefit from longer reviews. Is that a safe assumption or am I in the wrong, wrong ballpark?
2: I think volume is really important on both of those. And you know, G2 in, in particular does some really great things with the data on the back end that is super helpful. So if you think about how they take that data and make it useful to the companies that they're working with and help them understand the market better, there's some, some real advantages to, to that approach. Um, in, In either way, having that organic lift. So people going into Google, searching for solutions like your solution and being able to say, Oh, Here's the solution I came here looking for, but I can very easily now compare it to three or four others, and then how much I trust that is going to be based on whether I think the reviews are high quality, and it may be based on volume, or it may be based on the the depth of the reviews. It just depends a little bit on the individual.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for clarifying. That's good to know. I,
2: I did want to go back to your comment on uh, LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And you know people leaving, leaving reviews out on LinkedIn, I think when I think about LinkedIn, I don't often go out and say, "Oh my gosh, I really love you know using this particular software, but it's a great opportunity for companies to showcase a client in a way that that client will then want to promote themselves. Mm-hmm. And so both the thing that links both of these strategies is going to where the clients are. They're on the web searching, or they're on their LinkedIn feed. And if you can convince your client to do a case study, and a case study is a great way of doing this, to do a case study, you can then put out a social tile that has their image and you know maybe a quote from it, link it into the case study, or perhaps have them do a short virtual event, And then they're going to want to promote it because it makes them look wonderful, right? It shows how smart they are and this great thinker and contributor. And so then they go and share that and people are connected to a lot of people like them, right? So I'm connected to bunches of marketers. So if I was talking about a marketing solution, that would be something that would be really exciting to my audience and then obviously to the company that I would be talking about.
1: Yeah, I love that. You, know, you, you put in that time and investment into creating that case study, that, that customer video. How can you maximize that and, and doing other things around it? Like you said, the event, um, getting them to promote it, helping to showcase them as that thought leader um, in the space. I think all of those things are, are, are really great ideas. sure.
2: Yeah, I think also you know there's lots of formats. And I, this is mostly a sales audience. Mm-hmm. There's lots of formats too that you can do it in. You mentioned video. You know you can do a a, a WebEx recording. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. You can do official case study. Uh, you can also do infographics and you know a very simple web page that people can kind of navigate through. That maybe has some motion on it. Those things can all make references really come to life. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be a giant execution.
1: Very true. Well, Amber, we ask all of our guests one final question before they leave us for the day, which is how would you describe sales in one word?
2: I can only come up with three words and it's about the customer. We'll just throw in some hyphens. Yeah. <laughs> let, me, l- let me let
1: me say that again, a little crisper. Sure. There. I like well, it. Well, it's a really good one, so we will let it fly. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> for you.
0: Yeah, for you. I was like, if she says blockchain, this will have come full circle, but I don't know how the ledger applies to this, but... No, I, I love appreciate.
2: it. I wish I thought of that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, Amber, thank you for hanging out with us. I learned a lot about you know, customer references, how to use them, why to use them. So I truly enjoyed the conversation and I'm sure our listeners did too.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to talk with you guys today. Thank you.
0: Every week, we like to bring you a micro action, something that you can think about or put into play today. Sharing the best customer reference at exactly the right time could be the difference between persuading a prospect to go with you or your competitor, but building a go-to reference list is sometimes easier said than done. If you're having a hard time getting customers to act as a reference or share a testimonial, ask yourself these questions. What value can I offer in exchange for a reference? Am I framing this as a favor that I'm asking from them, or as an opportunity for my customers to network and make new connections? Am I building the types of relationships with my customers that make asking for a reference a no-brainer? And lastly, can I make it easier for my customers to provide references by outlining exactly what I need from them? Adding an effective customer reference strategy to your sales process requires upfront work, but it definitely pays off. I personally just made a software purchase this quarter and I distinctly remember deciding to go with them because a peer, who also leads a content team and sells to salespeople, said he had a great onboarding experience and highly recommended them. One week later, they had a signed contract. Can I make a super quick ask? I bet our VP of sales that we can get to hundred podcast reviews before Q1 ends. That's March 31st for us. It's a gentleman's wager for bragging rights because I love telling him I told you so. And we're already at 73 reviews. So I'm hoping you can help push us over the edge. All you have to do is take 27 seconds to give Reveal a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It's that simple. I appreciate it, and thanks for the help. Did you like today's episode? Subscribe now so next week's episode will be waiting for you on Monday.
1: And if you have any feedback or you want us to interview one of your favorite revenue leaders, just email us at reveal at gong.io.